Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Quick, quick quiz. Just see who's paying attention. What does Advent mean? All right. Just make sure you're paying attention. Uh, just to give you an idea, because I really didn't celebrate Advent until about three and a half, four years ago when I came here. It wasn't something culturally that I did. But to give you, remind you or help you kind of think about it, yesterday night, my son and I, or my son, before he went to bed, he said, Daddy, I want to go train with you in the morning, which meant he wanted to get up at about 5, 5.30 with me to go train. I said, I don't think you're going to want to get up like that. He said, no, Daddy, I'm going to get up. Just wake me up. I said, okay. So I leave his room. And then when I come back in his room, he's fully clothed with his tennis shoes on and everything. Laying. I said, what are you doing? He said, I just want to be able to jump out the bed. When we go, I said, Joseph, I said, you can take your shoes off, take your pants off. Like, he was fully dressed. But this is the idea of Advent, is that we are preparing to worship. We're, we're getting our minds, our bodies, both spiritually, physically. Like, we're getting ready to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ into this world. That is Advent. That idea of this little child wanting to go work out with Daddy in the morning, that's what we celebrate. Amen? Amen. All right, so if this is your first time here, you know we are a church and we love questions. And so if you have questions throughout this sermon, uh, feel free to text this number. You'll see it on the screen at the bottom uh, for Pastor Plex Podcast. PQ. All right. I'm trying to convince him to change his name, but he hasn't done it yet. Uh, Advent, when I thought about this, the coming into the world or something, the first thing that popped in my mind personally was our invite into this world. If you look close, some of you may have seen this picture a few years ago, but uh, what is it? There's an aching of bacon, right? This idea of of a child coming into the world, you want to celebrate and you make the announcement. And so for me, this, I see this picture, but I also think about this moment when Sierra and I was working out while she was pregnant, was working outside. I was training a group of people at a park. And immediately, uh, we had got there about 10, 15 minutes into it, I see Sierra run to the car. She sprints to the car, and she takes off in the car. Mind you, we had had a conversation about her spending more time with our son, Joseph, and she, she took off. And so I thought her and my son just went to, to fellowship to do some mommy-son time. And so I look at the park, though. J4 is still playing at the park. So I call her and say, what are you doing? She said, well, she said, I started bleeding real bad, I'm, and I called the doctor. They said I need to go to the emergency room. And so she rushed to the emergency room, and, and my brother happened to be there with me, so I took his car, and I meet him, I meet her at the emergency room, and while I'm on my way there, it's about a 15, 20-minute drive to the, the, the hospital that we go to, and I call my mother, and again, I, I'll, I probably, I will forever forget the date, but I'll never forget the day of the week. It was a Wednesday, it was about around 7 o'clock, she was walking into Bible study. My mom never picks up the phone when she walks into Bible study, and I never call her on Wednesday during that time, but she happened to pick up. I said, Mom, pray, you know, Sierra just started bleeding real bad, and we don't know what it is. And immediately, she, we're praying, we're at church. I gave everybody in the church to pray. And I was struggling on my way there, just kind of praying and wrestling with God, like, I don't know what you're doing. Why are you doing this? But I'm going to trust you in this, what may be an impossible situation. I'm a, I'm a, God, I'm going to trust you. And I get to the hospital, and actually, I, I called my wife right after. I talked to my mom, and we're still on the phone, and she's crying. She's screaming. She's crying on the phone. And I'm like, what's, what's wrong? She said, there's a lot of blood. She said, the nurse is trying to help me. And I just hear my wife crying and screaming, crying, screaming. And, and I'm on my way there. I haven't got there yet. 
and I don't know what to do. And I can hear the nurse tell her at some point, I hear her apologize. She said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And my wife says, she said, babe, she said, they said we lost the baby. She, she said we lost the baby. And this is all in the bathroom of the hospital. She hasn't even made it back. And I finally get to the ER, and we're sitting in the waiting room. We haven't got put in the back yet for about 30, 45 minutes. Sitting down right next to us, there's a green bag uh, with the fetus or whatever was in the bag. And in that moment, I was... I was hurt, I had prayed, I was mad, I was angry. All these feelings are going through my mind, and I'm like, God, why? Why did you do this? And, and it, was, it was then, it was in that moment where I began to think about the struggles of why we resist the possibilities and the impossibilities. And so here's a few of those. My situation isn't big enough. I'm Joseph. And I'm just a regular guy. I was teaching at the time. In my mind, I was no one special. And so God isn't going, he's not going to help me. He's not going to fix this. He's not going to pull out some part the Red Sea kind of miracle in this situation. Who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm not big enough for God to do something. And then while, again, all this is going through my mind, it doesn't make sense. I'm resisting that God can do the impossible in this situation because it doesn't make sense. You know I was a math teacher, and I calculate A plus B, C. I do all that always. The nurse told me, told us, we're sitting next to this baby that we thought we brought. You know, we were hurting right now. I was like, this doesn't make sense, God. And so we don't trust God with the impossible. And lastly, we don't believe God's word. When we were sitting in the waiting room, I remember calling my mom back, and this is probably about an hour later, and we're still in the waiting room, and I said, Mom, we lost the, the nurse told us we lost the baby, and I can hear my mom saying, we, we believe in God. We trust in God through this. I was like, Mom, but, and I didn't even want to talk to my mom in that moment. I didn't want to hear the encouragement. I didn't want to hear the edification. I didn't want to hear those things. And so that's where we're going, talking and praying through, uh, discussing through the word, Luke chapter 1, of how to see the possible through the impossible. And we'll get to that. I know it's an oxymoronic statement, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So if you pray with me uh, as we go kind of higher in the Lord with this. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. We love you for who you are. Through the good and the bad, you're God. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. Through my mess-ups and my shortcomings, You're God, you're all-powerful, you're all-knowing. You took my mess-ups into account when you planned my life to place me where I'm going. And God, so as we moved into this, entrusting you with the impossible, God, I pray that you will work through us, work in us, and reveal to us exactly what we need. Exactly what we need, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, if you was here last week, James preached an awesome message on Luke chapter 1, kind of the, the foretelling of John the Baptist coming into this world. Uh, Luke, the writer, was a physi- physician. He's a doctor. And so he was real meticulous about the things he wrote and how he wrote them. And to me, this is like a, when you look at the story of 
Joseph, I mean, John the Baptist, and here we're looking at Jesus' foretelling. These, they have a lot of similarities and differences. So we're going to compare and contrast some of those things as we do this. But look at Luke 1, 26, 27. In the sixth month, everybody say sixth month. Sixth month. All right, so for those that haven't heard me preach before, I like to hear you talk back to me. So make sure you're talking back to me just a little bit. But in the sixth month, and this is important, I'm going to just pause uh, parenthetically real quick for a second when you see this part. Right, we got, I'm trying to paint a picture because me, I'm a visual learner as, lo- as well as a kinetic learner. So I need to like see it and play with it or whatever it is. And so this, this is that moment where I was meeting with my community or my discipleship group on Friday. We had breakfast and we had a conversation about watching movies with our wives. Right? We, we, Wesley was talking about our wives and how they like to ask questions during a movie. Right? They like to ask questions through the movie that we're both watching, that we both started watching at the same time, as if we both have seen it. Right? But it's, she's like, babe, what does this mean? I said, I don't know. What does it mean? Right? We're having this. And so this is that moment. You know how movies kind of give you those hints of things, what's going to happen later on in the movie? Like this moment. I know you're like, we're only four words in, Joseph. Yes, this is one of those moments in the sixth month. It, it, it's something to this. And so when you're reading the word, knowing that it's connected all connected. God is doing something. And so I'm, I'm going to read this in my trailer voice. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent, right? You hear that deep voice that comes and he's reading it. He was from God to a city of Gal- Galilee named Nazareth. Y'all know about Nazareth? Probably not other than Jesus was born there because Nazareth wasn't important at all until Jesus popped up on the scene and made it important, right? No one knew about it. It was this place, this lowly place, Nothing good, <laughs> who said it? Nothing good comes from Nazareth, right? But Jesus, and that's all we need. Keep going. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was, that's a good name, <laughs> of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. They say you hear that word virgin twice for a reason. Virgin is important in understanding this miraculous conception. Right? First, it needed to be a virgin birth because of salvation, understanding that it had to, this, this man that came had to be God-given. God wanted to show us that it was him. It also had to be a virgin birth to show that he was 100% man and 100% God. Right? And also because he couldn't have man messing it up, and he couldn't, if he was born of a man, he would have inherited sin. Right. So that couldn't happen. And so that's why you see that virgin. Luke was in, he emphasizes that real good. All right. Verse 28. It says, and he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So this is important for you to understand real quick that Mary was troubled by the impossible. She was troubled by the impossible. What do you mean she was troubled by the impossible? So, again, remember I told you there was this compare and contrasting between uh, John the Baptist stepping on the scene and Jesus stepping on the scene. You see the same scenario. Mr. Uh, our boy Angel Gabe, he comes in, scoops, scoops in while Zachariah is praying. And Zachariah immediately from the sight is troubled from seeing the angel. And here there's a difference. She's troubled by what he said he's troubled by what he saw. I was trying to wrap my head around what that really mean, meant and what was God trying to show us that here you have Zachariah, this righteous man. That's how the Bible describes him, righteous man, him and his wife Elizabeth, righteous. 
And as soon as something impossible confronted him, he was troubled. He was an older gentleman. How do we know that? Because he said, I'm an old man. He said it. I'm an old man. He was old. But he was righteous. And you would think that someone seasoned, a more seasoned saint, someone who had been a believer for a long time, when confronted with the impossible, would think through God it's possible. But he wasn't. He was scared. He was troubled, too. And here you have this little girl who's a virgin, meaning she's, she's, she hasn't been with a man. But she's betrothed to be married to Joseph, meaning she's pledging her allegiance to be one with this man. And she was troubled. I'm here to tell you that it's all right to be troubled. It's all right to wrestle with some tensions. You see the righteous man, more seasoned, he did it. You see this probably more newer to the faith, but she did it. Let's see what happens. What does she say? Look at verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found, what's that word? Favor with God. Everybody say favor one more time. Favor. When you think about that, it's, it's just this gift that is tailor-made for you. This, this favor is a tailor-made gift just for you. My favor won't fit. Your favor, your favor won't fit my favor. How I'm supposed to solve this problem is going to work for me. How you're supposed to solve your problem, I don't care if it seems like the exact same thing. What God has for me, it is for me in that sense, and your favor is for you. So don't get caught up on other people's favor when we're looking at this. It's God's favor he has for you. It's for you. And so the road and path he has you going, going, he has the ability to use his uh, creative hands because, you remember, he created the world. And so this favor that he's putting on, him, on, on Mary in this, in this particular story meant that he had to step down and break through the natural laws of creation, but he was the creator. And so in him breaking those laws of creation, it's okay because he's God and he's God all by himself. He doesn't need my help. He can break down those walls of of needing a man to to provide conception. Why? Because he spoke us into existence, right? We breathing, he, he breathed the breath of life through us. His breath brought us life, right? He said lights come on, lights came on. He did it. And so in this moment when God has favor for you, It's for you, understanding that. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Look at 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. He will be called, this this is a, a beautiful description of what Mary will be soon carrying in her womb. Why is that? When you think about my son Joseph, he is literally my namesake. He is named after me. If you see us next week, people say, ooh, boy, was Sierra even there? Because he looked, to me, I, I don't even see little people, but he looks like me. And so for him, to, he, he shares my qualities. He, he shares both external qualities and internal. He's sarcastic like his daddy. I don't like it. I want to pop him in his mouth sometimes. But he's a part of me. He's Joseph's son. He's the son of Joseph. He really is. When, when, when Gabriel, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel is describing Jesus in a sense, the son of the most high, he's, he's literally giving him the qualities of God. And not just the quality, but equality with God because he is God. And so wrapping our head around this beautiful invitation of Jesus coming into this world, who is he? He's the son of the most high. What does it say? It says, and the Lord will give him the throne of 
of his father, David. And I know for some of us, we're like, well, Joseph isn't his father, even though Joseph is in a lineage. And you can get all into that. But understanding, we've talked about it a a few months ago. We talked about what does it mean to be adopted in this culture? It means you have the full inheritance of of whoever is adopting you. And so while Joseph was was his stepfather, Joseph is actually his, he's getting his, his inheritance through his adopted father. Means he gets every part of that to fulfill the scripture. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Look at verse 34. This was funny to me because after being told all of this, she says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? Right? Mary questions the impossible. And again, we go back. Go back to Mr. Zachariah, because he questioned the impossible as well. He said, how will this be? How will I know? He's, he, he, this is how he said. He said, I'm an old man. And he said, she's a, uh, she didn't, he doesn't call his wife old in this sense. He's a smart, smart man. <laughs> right? But basically, he said, she old. He, 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 he picked a euphemism and called his wife old. He said, we're old. She's out of the years. The difference is their posture of of questioning. Their posture, your posture of prayer will determine or dictate your position and how you see the impossible. And so if you're, think about Zachariah, he is literally going into a place to where he is praying. And, and if you look at verse 5 and read through that, he is going into a place to pray. The, the, his name had been chosen. He was going to pray. And when praying and exposed to the impossible, he gets scared. He fears and he questions and asks for evidence of how will God do this. And the funny thing about Zechariah doing this is he actually prayed to have a son. He got a son and then was scared and said, well, give me evidence. Whereas the response of the angel that showed us why Mary didn't get rebuked was because her posture was, I have faith. I believe, help my unbelief. Like, tell me how this is going to happen. She wasn't asking because she didn't believe. She was asking because she wanted to know. She just wanted to know. And so I, I, I just think it's crazy how understanding you got this, this girl entering into her teenage years, but willing to be uh, faithful to God. Let's see what happened. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High. Again, he gets that, that, that covering. It will overwhelm. It will overshadow you. Therefore, the child, will be born, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, remember when I told you at the beginning that, that little six-month thing, that, that tidbit, that clue, again, when you're connecting all these things, she, was, she had hidden for the first five months that she was pregnant. You know, some women you don't show for a while, and people, girl, are you really pregnant? You know, and, it, and it's this idea of, uh, not, uh, of, her, of needing evidence. She didn't, Zachariah asked for evidence. Mary didn't. And with him asking for evidence... He was muted. He had to be quiet for the whole pregnancy. She didn't ask for evidence, and she got it anyway. When she was doing the will of God, when she was was operating in what God wanted her to do, he said, well, I'll show you. Here's some evidence. Your cousin, your kinfolk, she pregnant, and she old, and she ain't been able to have babies, but now she will. And and now now I, I remember when we was in that waiting room. So for 45 minutes, we was waiting in the waiting room. And they eventually called us back into the uh, ER section. And I don't know if you've ever been to the ER, but this is, it feels like a little, it's not even a cubicle, this little thing with a curtain that goes across. And we're sitting in there 
for another 30, 45 minutes, and a doctor eventually comes in apologizing for a lot of things, just for loss and all this kind of stuff. And he opens the bag, he looks and he says, I'm really, really sorry. He said, we have to do, uh, and I forget the medical term, but we have to just check to make sure there's like nothing left in her womb. So we'll do an ultrasound, we'll get you to the back, and, uh, and, and we'll go for now. He said, I'm really, he was really apologetic. And we're like, it's okay. And I called my mom, and she was like, I don't, I don't believe that that's what it is. I was like, Mom, doctor, look, everybody look. We're getting an ultrasound. But what, you believe whatever you want to believe. I know what the doctor said. And I, I came to this point to where I, was, I personally was wrestling with this tension that God didn't answer my prayer. Right? He didn't do it when I, when I needed him to do it. He wasn't there with me. And I was struggling. And for about two or three more hours, we were sitting in this waiting room or in the ER room. And I remember, like, the, the encouragement that I got, I had three, three guys that I was discipling and I was working with at the time, and they had called me up, asked me if I needed anything. Uh, they was willing to come up to the hospital, and what they did, they FaceTimed me. I had just taught them how to play dominoes, and we was playing dominoes online. Like, they dealt me a hand and just held the dominoes up, and I told them which ones to play. We were just having fun, and they was encouraging me. And God was trying to show me. He said, I want to give you peace. I need you to trust me through this. And while I was playing, I started to get this peaceful kind of mind, like, okay, God, I know you're doing something. I don't know what you're doing. And I wasn't quite there yet. Again, we sat in this room for about four hours before we even started going back to the ultrasound. Let's see what the text says. It says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Mary's given evidence. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, who was called barren. You see that word called? meaning she was mocked, she was talked about, she was called barren because she couldn't produce a baby. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. So if nothing is impossible with God, that means everything is possible with God. Look at Mary's response to this. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her at that point. He left. She said, I am your servant. What do we see? Mary believed the impossible with God. Y'all, so I remember being wheeled, well, them taking my wife in a wheelchair down this long hallway. I felt like the hallway lasted forever. And while we were walking down there, it was, for me, time felt like it slowed down. And I was praying. I was like, God, I feel this peace. And I want to see you do the impossible. I want to experience just, God, I want to trust your word. Just help, help my unbelief in this moment. And we walk down there, and we get into the room, and they lay her in the bed. And while, we're laying in, while she's laying in the bed, she, I don't know if you've ever, uh, for anyone who had an ultrasound or whatnot, but they have like this screen, and it's kind of turned, and I'm, I'm over here. And I've been to a lot of ultrasounds because uh, my, my son, he, we, we was in the hospital every week because it was a high-risk pregnancy and Sierra was on bed rest for about seven months. And so I have been to a few, you know, ultrasounds. And, and she puts a little gel and does the little rub, initial rub, and I'm like, I'm looking at the screen, it's like, is that a heartbeat? Right? And, and in that moment, I'm like, God, I know you didn't show me a heartbeat. <laughs> I was like, God, don't be playing with me like this. Like, I just pray. I'm telling you, I was in this hallway, and I prayed. I'm like, I'm trusting you, God. And, 
And I see it again, and she's rubbing, and I know for sure, 100%, I saw a heartbeat. I see this heartbeat. I'm like, God, I don't want to get too excited in this moment because I don't want my eyes just to be showing me something that my heart wants to see. But I want to trust you through the impossible. God, I believe you can do it. Because a, a nurse told us before we got to the back that we lost our baby. Because a doctor told us before we got to the ultrasound room that we lost our baby. And so we're sitting there, and the woman comes, and she turns the screen. She said, I'm not supposed to do this, but your baby's okay. And I know in that moment, Sierra and I both begin to celebrate, and we're crying. I'm, like, crying like a big baby, like a big baby. I was crying first service when I did this. I'm doing a little bit better right now. But uh, we, we were crying because we were celebrating the fact that God did something impossible, like literally impossible. The nurse saw a dead baby. Y'all, I don't think you grab the, the doctor saw and apologized for a dead baby. For four hours, we sat in a waiting room after being told that we lost our baby. But God. You see, you see we, when you're approached by Mary was able to say, I'm a servant of the Lord because of who and her relationship was with God. It wasn't about me leaning into the trust of the doctor. It wasn't about me leaning into the trust of the nurse. It was about me leaning into the trust of the father. He said, don't trust the job that you lost. He said, I can take care of you. He said, don't trust the, 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 the person that did you wrong. I can take care of you. For your, your marriage that you feel is broken, he said, stop trying to handle it on your own. He said, I can do it. All things are possible with God, not with Joseph. Not with Mary, not with Zachariah, not with Elizabeth. All things are possible with God. And as soon as you take God out of the situation, out of the uh, equation, then you make it about you. Stop trying to fix it on your own. I don't know what you're going through. God is saying, I got you. Let me get you. So my question for you this morning is this. Will you, will you believe that all things are possible with God? Amen. Will you believe that all things are possible with God? I want to celebrate with everyone to hear about all the impossible things that God has done for your life. I want, to, I want to celebrate and think about, man, what is your miracle? What did God do? How did he wake you up this morning and separate you uh, and have favor on you? And why are you different? What is your story? Because your story is his story and what he can do. Don't look for this, well, Joseph got a good story. No, you got your own story. God's done some impossible things in your life. I'm here today because of those impossible things. And so will you truly believe that all things are possible with God? If that means writing down, God, I need you to do something, and then, then reading it every day, waiting for God to do it, because we serve a God that answers prayers. It may not be what we want. Because think about it. What God did with this birth is miraculous. I told you I was a math teacher. I do the numbers and things. And so when I teach a kid and I tell them A squared plus B squared equals C squared and things like that, it always works. I say, hey, when you do your work, you made a mistake because you skipped a step. Look, this is a step you skipped. Make sure you do every step. Like Mr. Aiken, but I can do it in my head. No, you can't clearly because you got it wrong. (laughs) Show me every step. 
right? Show me every step. You, if you're a math teacher, you've been in math class, you hear, oh, I don't want to do all this work. You've been in those, those, those type of situations in life, do every step. And I'm here to tell you that we serve a God that can go out of order. He can do whatever steps he want to do because he's God and he's the creator. And so he does, he's not limited to the natural things of this world because he's the creator of this world. That means he gets to skip whatever steps he wants to. He can put new steps in there. And so if you feel like you're broken and you, you say, well, this is the way for me to get out of this broken, brokenness. God is trying to tell you, I don't have to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I can go from A to Z real quick. He said, so if I chose not to go to A to Z in your situation, if I chose not for you to get that job, if I chose not for you, for, for you to struggle with whatever you're going through, there's a reason why I have you going through it. And so instead of trying to get out of whatever you're going through, allow yourself to say, God, what are you trying to take me through in this impossible situation? I want to trust you. Because through this, through this birthing and pregnancy of my wife, I realized we serve a miracle working God. That was, for, for me, that was the, the parting of the Red Sea. For me, that was the raising of the dead. That was the healing of the sick. Will you truly believe that all things are possible with God? And so we talked about like he had to come. And you don't have to get your, your communion out. But he, he came and died for our sins for that. So when we celebrate Advent, his coming into the world, he just didn't come. He lived. He died for my sins, but he didn't stay dead. He arose with all power in his hand. And that blood that he shed on the cross, it's a reminder of the new covenant in his blood. That I don't have to die that death. He did it for me. Now I can sin less because of what he's done. That blood that covers me, that he's got me covered. His body was broken for me. This bread represents that. And so we feed on this bread like our souls feed on Jesus because of what he did. You need that strength, not your strength. And so what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a few seconds before we take communion. We're going to take a few seconds, and I want you to really pray. Whatever is going, stirring up, if there's an impossible situation, right now is an opportunity to give it to God. Wherever you at, will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. God, we love you. God, we praise you. You are perfect in all your ways. There is none like you, God. None stands beside you, God. That's why I ask right now, God, as we just kind of rest our hearts and our minds and our souls, God, I pray that you would just give us this renewal of strength and faith. And God, you would do what only you can do in our lives. God, you would do what only you can do in our lives, God. So I pray that person that is feeling broken right now, God, you give them the strength that they need to lean into you. God, I pray for that, that couple who had a fight on their way to church this morning, God, that you would mend the broken heart. God, that you would fix what only you can fix and they'd be willing to give it to you, God. I pray for that person that is sick, for that person that is hurting, that person that is stressed, God, we pray for all of them knowing that it's by your blood that we were saved, God. By your blood that we have strength, that by your blood, God, we're walking in a confidence and an assurance of what you did on that cross. 
God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, we praise you. You are God all by yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.